Welcome back. Let's talk about unicycles. I, I'm not joking. That's where today's guest came from. I saw his Instagram profile and it says, let me quote, pro extreme unicyclist. And I was intrigued. He's an incredible man. He's an incredible leader. He's full of wisdom, knowledge, and has accomplished so many incredible things. On today's podcast from Kevin Karchner, we talk about how the proximity to those who see what is possible for you is the key to success. It's all about first perspective, lazy versus efficient by stealing others' cheat codes, which I loved, why talk is cheap and you actually have to work for the red go-kart, and if you have more than three big goals, you have a big ooh, ooh, goose egg of zero, and seven steps to actually get up early in the morning with so much more. And so without further ado, I am honored, I'm excited to welcome Kevin to the show. So let's get into the intro and let's get into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George show. And this is not the first time that this has happened, but this is the first time I'm going to call it out. So welcome to my life and me breaking the fourth wall, because what you are about to witness is a first date and a blind date with a man that I very quickly fell in love with when I read his bio. And now after speaking to him for just a couple of minutes, you're going to get to watch our relationship develop. But I'm excited. Uh, I've had the pleasure for the last couple of minutes of speaking to this gentleman. I read his bio from hold on world champion extreme unicyclist his podcast the fight against mediocrity his book how to crush his morning from everything i am just ready to take copious notes i'm probably going to be like an excited labrador and interrupt you because i'm excited about what you're saying but other than that i will stay out of your way so everybody uh warm welcome for kevin karchner kevin welcome to the show awesome thank you so much super excited to be here yeah, man, I am, I am, I am stoked. And so you're, you're down living that beach life down there and, uh, I'm up here living that mountain life, but you know, I opened the loop a little bit. I, I am so innately curious to hear about world champion extreme unicyclist. And then I'm going to YouTube after this podcast. If you tell me there's videos that exist and I'm going to go find them all, but I would kind of <laughs> love to hear about, about kind of who you are now <laughs> how that happened, where you started, uh, kind of give us the story. Yeah, dude. Um, unicycling is something that's uh, super unique. Most people, <laughs> when I say that I unicycle, they're like, you mean like a clown, right? Like you're in a circus. I'm like, ah, it's kind of like skateboarding, but on a unicycle. Um, and then that blows their mind. <laughs> but yes, there are lots of YouTube videos, some that I'm proud of, some that if you go deep enough, um, it's kind of like that embarrassing email you create when you're 11 years old and just happens to still be on the internet. Yep, me too. Um, My AOL screen yeah, name from junior high. It's still there. Yeah. And, uh, it's but still yeah, there. We, I didn't mean to cut you off, man. No, you're good. <laughs> um, we did when I was, we did a video with Devin Supertramp. That's the um, highest viewed yep. extreme unicycle video in the world has like, 2.5 million views. Um, so that's the one I would recommend. That's like my, my proudest video. I watched that there, video but... many times. Oh, really? 
I'm a, I'm a big Devin Supertram fan because I used to be a videographer and I had no idea that was you until this moment. So my fanboy increases now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was pretty cool. Um, so unicycling was not my plan. I was going to be in the NBA when I was little, I was like, NBA is the plan. Like nothing's going to stop me. This is it. And then one day I was outside practicing like I often did for hours and hours and hours, uh, basketball. And my friend rode by on a unicycle that had that, well, he actually wasn't riding yet. He was trying to ride. His dad had given him a unicycle. And I remember distinctly thinking, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Why would anybody ever do that? <laughs> um, fast forward, I'm a professional extreme unicyclist. So yeah, I just p ended up picking it up because he was in my neighborhood. And then uh, four years later competed in my, I was, it's kind of embarrassing, but I was the president of my school's high school's unicycle club. We had 30 members. And um, when I was 15, I convinced my dad to take me to South Dakota for the North America unicycle um, convention and championships. And I was not good at that point. I was like seeing my idols and was just in awe at everything that they were doing. But it taught me a very important lesson because that week spent with them changed my perspective on what was possible for me as a unicyclist. And two years later, I ended up ranking fifth um, in North America and then the year after that second. And I realized that if you can get around the right people, it'll accelerate where you're going. Um, and then when I was, and then uh, after that, I competed at the world championships in Italy, ranked fourth in the world in street, which is basically like um, grinding down rails, jumping down stairs, doing tricks off of boxes and stuff like that. And, uh, um, yeah, I was sponsored by, you know, 510 Shoes, the top unicycle company in the world. And then actually when I was 19 years old, I left it all to go serve a church mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so Devin always gives me a hard time because he filmed me two weeks before I left on my mission to Mexico, actually the area where we're living right now. And he said, every person I've put on YouTube ends up making a living from the video that I make of them. So he's like, don't let me down. And then I left and then I um, competed a little bit when I got back. But that's that's kind of another story. So that's that's the unicycle story. Wow. Hold, there's so there are so many golden moments in that thing from the story itself to how because I was going to ask you even in the beginning, I was like. Before you said the lesson of like surrounding yourself with the right people, I was going to say like in a sport that is so niche and so developing, like I feel like that sport when you came into it was almost like developing its own identity very rapidly as you were in it. So I was going to ask like, how did you even figure out or think about like how to push the envelopes or try tricks or figure out what was there? Like, what was that like? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Just like you said, new tricks were being landed every week almost. And it was, you know, right when Facebook was coming out. So people really start starting to be able to share the tricks that they were doing. Um, and so it just pushed the envelope forward. And there's actually a few tricks where I was the first in the world to land them. Um, and wow. uh, there's no like, it's not written on any walls or anything. It's just in the archives of the internet. But uh yeah, what was really cool about it is we'd hop on forums and Facebook groups and be like, hey, I'm going to go outside and try this. Let me know what you find out. Let me know what you figure out. Um, and then when we'd get in mm. person together, we'd have trick battles. So we'd just try over and over and over to land these tricks that had never been landed before. And then finally someone would land it. And we'd get all hyped up. And then 
everyone else would start landing it once one person landed it kind of the four minute mm-hmm. mile thing um so yeah it was really cool I love I love that man and I'm going to totally lead this but I think this is perfect cuz you even talked about it earlier when you got to go to those world championships and be around those people and see what's possible and then you just echoed it again around being around people that push you and reflect back and so I I'm going to lead this and assume that one of like a very important principle for you is like proximity to the right people. Yeah, 100%. Everything I do I say I'm, you could either classify it as lazy or efficient. Everything that I do, I'm like, who's already done it and how can I learn from them? Just that's, that's the way my mind works. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I I call it efficiency. And that's why I trademarked the phrase relationships beat algorithms because I'm like, no, no, no. There's somebody who's done this. And if I'm just friends with them and I call them and I've added value to their life, they'll help me do this. And it's so much faster. So I'd say it's efficient and I earn more time to go snowboarding and do the things that I love. So we're going to call it efficient for today. Amen. So then, so then you go, (laughs) or you can call it lazy. I mean, it's your story. I'm going to call mine efficient. Uh, um, So then you film the video with Devin, you go on the mission for two years in Mexico. Yep. Okay, now can I ask you? So I have a, I'm, I'm actually innately curious. I have so many friends and dear friends and clients that um, are from the church and have done their missions, and I love asking them because I, I feel like it's such a valuable life lesson and experience that you get to experience. Like, what were some of the things that like you picked up or learned on that mission that you like still carry with you today in like your day to day life, or like how you do business or how you operate? Yeah, man. It's honestly one of the coolest experiences I think anyone can experience. <clears throat> You're put in a situation where I remember going to the missionary training center and like saying goodbye to my family, knowing that I would not see them for two years. And that's a surreal feeling of like, yes. you're not going to see them for two years. Um, and so it puts you in a, a very unique spot of like, okay, it's just me. I got to figure this stuff out. Um, and not only that, you know, you're knocking doors you're getting yelled at, you're getting rejected. Um, you're having to learn how to teach. I had to learn a different language. My first companion spoke zero English. So we just did hand signals to communicate with each other. And that was a whole nother, a whole nother obstacle. Um, but I actually talk about one of the greatest lessons I learned while I was there is in my book. Um, and it was from his name's Chente. He was my, uh, second companion on the mission. So we're put into pairs and up until that point in my life, I was really big. I'd, I'd read the book, The Secret, when I was really young, like 13 or 14 years old. Yep. And which is good and bad. Good because it taught me the power of the mind. Bad because I truly believed that all I had to do was think about it. And so I didn't put any action <laughs> behind it. I'm not even kidding you. Like I remember writing down this goal of having a red go-kart and I just wrote it down, printed out the picture and was like visualizing it. I'm like, just going to show up on my doorstep. Just got to wait. You know what I mean? And it was, it was delusion. Um, well, so I'm laughing. I, I'm laughing at me because I didn't learn that lesson until I was like 32. So like you learned it with a red go-kart. I was 32 years old before I learned that. So I'm, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> uh, dude, it's, oh man, it's just like, and I, it's the whole reason my book is called talk is cheap because I just like, it hit me like talk is cheap. Um, you gotta, you gotta go out and do it. But up until that point in my life, I had, I I've call it, I'd accomplished my goals by chance and not by choice. 
So like with unicycling, I didn't really feel like I'd set a goal and like been like, this is the goal. I'm going to work towards it. I just love to do it. So I just go out and, you know, practice for hours and hours and hours. And that's how I got, got so good at it. But, uh, my new companion, Chente, literally half my height. Um, he is from Puebla, Mexico. When he got to his mission, he didn't know how to read. And then now this is at the end of his mission. Um, and it was his last six weeks with me. Most of the time when missionaries are at the end, they kind of bum out, get lazy, whatever. He was like as hot as he'd ever been on fire. And he's like, Kevin, we're going to set these big goals. We're going to help so many people come unto Christ, this and this. I'm like, yeah, no, this is the red go-kart. Like, sure, but it's not really going to happen was what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the big goals, but like, okay, sure. The kid blew my mind because we worked harder than I'd ever worked in my entire life. We literally talked to everyone on the street. When we were out on our morning run, mm. we would talk to every, you know, mom taking their kids to school. We, every taxi we rode in, we would talk to the taxi driver, invite them to, to have a lesson. We talked to so many people that one taxi company would not pick us up anymore because they knew that we were just <laughs> going to teach them about Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, we ended up having, yeah, dude, it's, it's nuts. And we ended up having so much success that the mission president actually brought me in and was like, tell us what you're doing. Like, what are you guys doing over there? And it, it's at that point when it hit me, like, if you just work your butt off and take massive action, results will come. Um, that's yes. honestly been with me ever since whenever anyone's like, Oh, it's not working or this. I'm like, dude, we should work harder. We just got to like do more. And that's, that could be physical labor, but also in this day and age, it's a lot of leverage, like, um, that you can use as oh, well, hiring yeah. a team and stuff like that. So, yeah, I like funny, funny story about that. And I love, and I laugh so hard and I chuckle because I can envision that, but you doing that in taxi cabs is what I do every day in real life. Like, <laughs> Everybody jokes at me, but like when they come to Montana, we'll go to eight different coffee shops here and all of them are playing my podcast because I've told them all about it. Like I fly so much that now I bump into flight attendants weekly that are using my backpacks and telling me about podcast episodes. Like I am that guy every day preaching relationships beat algorithms. So I was laughing because I, I still do this every single day. I think it's the best thing in the world. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it leads me to a question. Uh, and I feel like um, you were speaking about this, but I, I recognize that in the early days, I struggled with clarity, right? Like I was like you on the unicycle. When I got into entrepreneurship, I just practiced everything, right? As soon as I sucked at something, I just practiced and practiced and practiced. But I never really had like a goal. And so then I'd have all that energy and it was kind of like leaking out. And so like when you talk about you and Sente, which I love, it's like he set this massive goal and created this container, which then allowed you to focus all of that energy. And so can you talk about that for a minute? Because I, I know based on that life lesson and what you've achieved and what you speak about, you probably have some wisdom and knowledge to share with us. And so I just kind of wanted to leave that fish. Yeah. So you're talking about um, why it's important to have like that bigger vision. Yeah. And like, yeah, why to have the bigger vision, but then also like a, a clear focus so that all that energy isn't like leaking out everywhere. Right. Like, so, um, you know, for me, I'll, I'll lead it even better. Like when you say talk is cheap for me, what would happen is I would say things like, oh, I want this red go-kart. Right. And then I wouldn't have the behaviors and then I wouldn't set any goals or containers in place. And then I would get frustrated that the red go-kart wouldn't mm. come. <laughs> and then, 
I'd beat myself up and then it would collect more evidence and it was like this massive rumination cycle. And so just hearing you speak, it just sounds like you have some wisdom around that. And if not, I maybe just off kilter, just mm. throwing some thoughts out. No. Yeah. The two biggest things for me are, um, focus and consistency. That's what I always teach. So getting clear on at maximum three big goals for your year. Um, Jim Collins from good to great says, if you have more than three priorities, you have zero. So getting like super clear, I call them I goals. Some call them B hags, big F and goals, whatever yep. you want to call them. I call them I goals because in the Bible it says where your eye goes, that's where your focus goes. Um, so having three like distinct goals for your year, and that can be one business, one life, one financial, whatever they want to be, but three big focuses and that their eye goals. And then what you want to do is actually most people, they look up at the mountain every day of Everest, what their goals are, mm -hmm. and they get overwhelmed and discouraged. And that's when the list goes in their drawer. And then they just do the things that are easy because it's, it's tough to look up at that Everest and be like, that's a big freaking goal. Well, um, there's a lot that I need to do. It's overwhelming. So what I say is don't yeah. look up anymore. Look down at the next step. And what do you need to do today? And it's not so much like just random stuff, what you have to figure out or what are the daily behaviors that if you did every day would inevitably get you to the top of that Everest, that goal. So the example that I always use is actually my book. I had a goal for four years to write a book, but every year I'd look up at the goal of writing a book be like, dang, I got to find publisher. I got to do this. I got to edit it. I got to write it. I got to yep. figure out. And it just like got so overwhelming. I was like, ah, no, I can't do it. I'll start tomorrow, start tomorrow, start tomorrow. But then, um, I figured out all I had to focus on was writing 500 words per day. And when my shift, my focus went from writing a book to Kevin, all you have to do is wake up and write 500 words. Six months later, I had a mm -hmm. book. I was like magic. Mm -hmm. Um, so whatever your goal is, break it down into what is the daily behavior that if I do, it would be like impossible for me not to accomplish a goal. So like I do triathlons now and I actually do the biking portion on a unicycle, uh, a three foot wheel unicycle. And, uh, yes. And for it's dope. I want to be the first person in the world to do an Ironman on a, on a unicycle. So you tell, me, you tell me when you do that and I'm buying a plane ticket, I will be there. I will be there. I'm doing a half Ironman September 8th in Utah on the unicycle. So it's not quite the full Ironman yet, okay. but I'm building up to it. So okay. for my Ironman, if I think about the Ironman, I get overwhelmed. So what I do is I just say, what do I have to do today? What, I, what, are, what are the things, what are the training activities I need to do today? So that on September 8th, it's like, dude, I'm ready. Like, this is easy. So yeah, that, that's, that's come from, I've probably read like, and tried 30 different planners, goal setting systems, all that stuff to figure yep. out like, okay, this yep. is what works. Yep. I have, I use the same exact model that you use and call it something different. And, you know, I, I'm going to ask you a question about kind of your journey, but you know, one of the other benefits that I found for everybody listening is that, you know, I like when I have clarity of like, what's that BHAG or what those one to three things are down the road and then chunking it down. So I'm not looking at the mountain, but I also like to have it clearly identified so that when I'm in my day to day or I end up having a bad day or some fire comes in that I didn't expect that instead of when I'm emotional, having to think about it, I have a plan to fall back on. I'm like, no, no, no remember these behaviors today. So it kind of is like a bumpers on a bowling alley for me. And so I wanted to ask you, Kevin, like, 
yeah when you're navigating your day right like when you're when you're navigating this knowing that like we're making plans and we're making goals and we're really stretching ourselves to create things that haven't been created in our lives we're going to get hit with resistance right roadblocks are coming we're going to get punched in the face so like how do you navigate that like do you plan for it do you have morning routines around it do you have processes like how do you navigate the ins and outs of life when like focusing on your goal yeah dude what's so cool is i use this same analogy of the bowling bumpers like because if they would let me use bowling bumpers still i'd hit a pin every time but they don't that's what i say every time every time (laughs) that's awesome yeah so i actually i'm not like you can't actually can't buy this publicly yet um only for my clients maybe one day i will but i created a planner called the accomplish anything blueprint and uh, I'll be, I'll tell you basically what I do. It's not like a secret, but in terms of like, what do I do so that I, when things get freaking hard, because as entrepreneurs, it's not if it's when they get hard because they will get hard. Um, so I have like my I goals and then I have what I call my MIT. So most important tasks and then my daily priorities. And so at, on each Sunday I say, okay, for this goal, these are like, the five things that if I get done would push it forward and then I put them in my calendar. And then I say, okay, for this goal, this is the daily behavior um, that I have to get done and then I actually track it. And those two things alone, like getting it on my calendar and then tracking the daily priorities. Number one, then Mm -hmm. when the day gets like hard, I just look at, okay, what's my calendar say I need to be doing? And it takes the willpower out of it for me. Um, And then also at the end of the week when I track my priority. So right now for triathlon, if I look at my tracking and I didn't train five days, I know immediately I can't lie to myself. I'm like, I'm not on track to hit my goal. Um, so those are the two things that really help me in terms of like morning routine and stuff like that. Um, I, I wake up early and if we want to get into it, we can, I, I believe I hacked the science of waking up early because everyone would tell me, Kevin, you just got to wake up early. And then I would not hear my alarm, even though it was right next to my ear. And I'm like, guys, that doesn't work for me. Like, I just can't wake up early. So I had to figure out, you know, habits and routines and systems that work for me. But um, there are three things that no matter what happens, I do each day because I feel like they will inevitably help me get to where I want to go. I call them my non-negotiables. And so it's investing 15 minutes in my mind. 15 minutes into my spirit. And that's not a religious thing. That's we all have a spirit, a soul or whatever you want to call it. And then 30 minutes into my body. And you can combine those together. Like sometimes I'll listen to a podcast while I'm at the gym. So in my net time. Um, But as long as I get those three things done, like things seem to keep moving forward. I seem to um, keep winning, keep feeling energized. As long as I'm investing into myself, those mind, body, spirit. You know, it's funny is uh, you and I have the same three buckets and the same three minimum amount of time in those buckets every day. That makes my heart happy. And so when, when you were talking a minute ago, you were talking about your daily planner, but you said something and I wanted to see if you could delineate them for me. You were talking about tasks and priorities. Can you explain the difference between like a task and a priority? Yeah. So I use the word priority. It probably makes sense for most people to term it behavior. So a task is like, okay. so let's use the writing, writing the book. A task is like, I'm going to find an editor. A priority, a daily priority or behavior is I'm going to write 500 words today. Mm, got it. 
Yeah. Got it. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah, that that makes that makes sense to me. And so now because you open the loop and I'm innately curious, I do want to talk about sleep. What did what did you do to hack the system and the routine? What is it? Okay, so there are eight things. I'll go through them real quick. Um, some of them seem super simple and self-explanatory, and you guys can just be like, oh, that duh, Kevin. But um, this is what I had to do to start waking up early. And on average, I wake up between 4 and 5 a.m. Um, and I just okay. I think the morning's a God-given gift to the high achiever. Not because of anything fancy or any like morning routine. I just think nobody's bugging you. Like You just have solitude, and you yep. can just work on stuff. Thousand so, percent. Step number one is go to bed early. Like I said, seems stupid, but most people will be like, I can't wake up early, but they'll go to bed at midnight and try to wake up at four or whatever. Um, step number two is define your purpose because your why has to be louder than your alarm clock. You need to have a purpose for why you want to do it. Step number three is I call it plan it out and lay it out. So like detail out minute by minute what you're going to do. You can't just put read a book. You have to like to the point where you have to have like the book picked out, open to the page you're going to read, like ready to go. Mm -hmm. You have to have your gym clothes laid out, ready to go. Um, all that stuff minute by minute, uh, because your brain is going to do everything it can to get you to go back to bed. Step number four is phone. Your phone goes to a land far, far away. So do not have your phone next to your bed, put it in a bathroom, a hallway, somewhere where you have to physically get up and go, go get it and put it away. Even better is putting it on airplane mode so you're not immediately scrolling through all your texts and stuff. Um, number five is shock the system. And for me, I turn on all the lights and drink water. For some people, it might be a shower, splash water in your face, whatever it is. But like, I find that if I leave the lights off, I'm much more likely to go back to bed. And then um, step number six is accountability. So if you can get like a gym buddy to meet you at the gym early in the morning, or you tell your social media following, you're going to post about it, like external accountability. So you're someone else is counting on you other than yourself. Um, step number seven is just be consistent with it. Because if you just do it every once in a while, once you start doing it consistently for a month, then you just, you just do it. Like you don't even think about it. You just like, oh, I wake up and I do it no matter how tired you are. But if you only do it once a week, then you're basically like, you're not using the power of habit. And then last step, step number eight, um, is just knowing that in the morning your mind is fresh and you are all alone, not being bothered by the concerns of the world and your job and whatever. So you're going to receive inspiration. So just make sure you have a notepad or like your Apple notes ready for when that revelation inspiration comes in, you can record it and then take action on it. Dude. That is a full hack of the matrix because that is 1000% perfect. And that is a book on its own. That is, mm -hmm. you nailed it. Every objection, the focus, the clearest version of yourself in the morning, the routine, the habit creation, like all of it. Like it's, yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's amazing. I love that. Dude. And well, I mean, it's like, that's why I call it the science because everyone else just said, you just got to do it. But for me, that didn't work. So I had to, I had to hack the system. Well, and you know, one of the biggest things for me that I recognize, and you alluded to this, like I, I recognize I'm my own worst enemy. Like I had to use manipulation as a survival tactic and trauma to grow up. So like, if I don't really want to do something, I won't do it and I'll find every way out. So like when you talk about like 
laying things out, like what I recognize in my entire life, not even my morning routine, is that anywhere that I can remove decision beforehand, the faster it keeps me into the things that I've committed to, irregardless of how I feel. And so when you talk about like open up the book to the page and have the specific clothes laid out, like I go as far as like the night before, like I even put my gym clothes, my water bottles and the things that I need in my car in my car. So like when I wake up, I put on shoes and walk out the door. And so I do that this also in my environments too, though. I do it in my office. I do it in my desk space. And so it's like one of, it was one of the most powerful things for me so that like, I couldn't believe my mind. And like you said, it reminded me of my why. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know I don't feel good right now, but I committed to this because this is going to be worth it. And this is the path that I have to take to get that payoff. So yeah, dude, that's good. That's so good. Yeah. Thanks dude. And, um, um, what you said is really cool. You know, you just want to make it as easy as possible. And and that's with this, but that's with everything in life. Like just make things as easy as possible. Um, we're, we're creatures of habit. Well, for sure. And you know, when earlier, when you were talking about the mountain part too, like I, I experienced so much pain for so much of my life and in, in many buckets, because I would, I would look at the mountain And then like Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy talk about in their book, Gap in the Gain, all I would see is the gap ahead of me, like this massive gap. Like I was like, how in hell am I going to get there? And then I'd look at the gap and the gap would be so overwhelming that all it would do is force me to think about it more. And it took me so long to recognize that like I literally just have to keep choosing action, like just one step. Like even if I want to lose 100 pounds me going for a 10 minute walk is better than me thinking about going to the gym next week. And it's just been a muscle though. And I don't know what it's been like for you. Um, but for me, it's been, I had to bring awareness to it at first and then it kind of became a muscle. And the more I flex it, the the easier it gets for me. And I don't know what it is for you. Is it like that for you as well? Um, in terms of uh, say the question one more time so I can understand it. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I, I talk a lot. I, confuse myself most of the time. Um, that's why I named my podcast, the mind of George show (laughs) that way I have a permission slip. Um, one of the things that for me, so, so to basically summarize it is that we, you know, earlier when you talked about looking at the big mountain and looking up at it, I never realized that staring at it so long was stopping me from see that there was just like this simple action in front of me, right? Like Mm. instead of me being overwhelmed about needing to run a marathon, I'm like, if I just go for a one minute run, I'm still going to be closer. And it was a struggle for a long time, but now I feel like it's a muscle because I flexed it so much. And I don't know how it is for you. Have, Have you noticed that? Or is it something you still bring awarenesses to, or is it something that's like a default behavior for you now? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, exactly what you said. It really is your mind. It's a, it's a slippery slope. Like you start thinking about the future and then your emotions kick in and we're emotional creatures. We don't think logically. And when your emotion is, Oh, I'm not prepared. I can't do this. It's a big goal. It's tough to logically get yourself out of that. But I think, um, exactly what you said, the way you phrased it is the more you exercise that muscle, the stronger it gets. And so when things start to get overwhelming now for me, I just think, okay, the overwhelm isn't helping. What can I do right now? Um, And then I just do that. And it's crazy. I'm sure you'd agree how even when, you know, say the goal is a marathon and all you do is go walk for 10 minutes, just that walking for 10 minutes 
although like logically probably isn't going to make a difference emotionally, it makes all the difference because you're like, okay, if I can do that, then I can probably run for 10 minutes. If I can do that, then I can run for four miles. Yep. If I can do that. And it just, it builds on itself. But, um, if you get stuck in that spiral of, oh, I can't do it. It's too big. And, uh, going back to the gap in the gain that changed my life, man. And I don't care. Like I'm getting goosebumps yeah. right now. Like the gap in the gain changed my life because as high achievers, 100%. as entrepreneurs, we, we only focus on, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm yep. not there yet. And it, it'll kill us if we don't sit there and say like, okay, but how far have I come? What have I done that? What have I accomplished? And, uh, and looking at the gain instead of the gap, every meeting I start with, um, my clients, I say, okay, throw your victory laps in the chat because we're looking at the gain, not the gap right now. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yep. Yeah. Same, same thing with me, man. It, it was uh, one of the most valuable and incredible lessons that I unfortunately had to learn through pain. But you know, it's funny. I remember back in the day when I was a competitive CrossFitter and I was like, oh, I just wish my body was better. And then I remember when I got fat and had a dad bod again, I looked back, I'm like, I would do anything to have that body back right now. And I was like, but when I had it, I didn't think it was good enough. And then I'm looking in the mirror and like, oh, that's the secret, isn't it? If I want the body back, I have to be grateful for the one I have right now. Oh, I get the universal joke. Ha ha ha. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, the gap in the gain for me was was massive because, um, you know, one little hack for anybody listening is is I've actually this is going to sound crazy. I've never made a vision board and I've never made a goal sheet. And I used to try because that's what everybody said, but it would be very overwhelming for me. But what I started to recognize is that it wasn't that I was resistant to doing them. It's that I didn't really know what I wanted my future to look like, but I was aware of like the behaviors or the things that I would focus on. And so then rather than saying, yeah, this is what I want my life to look like. I was like, no, I kind of just know who I want to be. And so I was like, I'll design my habits and behaviors around that. And then I did that for a couple years consistently and now I can like paint the most beautiful picture of my vision that's only come to clarity because I was just willing to take the actions every day so if you're listening to this and you're like oh I'm not sure typically actions will help bring way more clarity and so you hear this in recovery meetings you you can't think your way into a better action but you can act your way into a better thought and so try that on for mm -hmm. size if that lands for any of you yeah dude Dude, me and you are, I don't know, kindred spirits or growing up in parallel lives because I literally think about this all the time. My wife and I will have this conversation and uh, I'll, I will seriously say the same thing. When I, you know, was single and I'd work out, you know, two hours a day before work, after work and loved it, um, best shape of my life. And I still wasn't happy with it. I was like, no, it's not good enough. And now I look back and back, yep. I'd, I'd give everything for that body. I mean, I'm, I'm in good shape, uh -huh. but I don't have the two three hours a day to go work out like I used to. Um, anyway, so that's, that's hilarious. And then in terms of, yeah, if you can, the, the irony of what you said, George, is most people have it backwards. They know what they want their future yep. to look like, but their daily habits don't match up with that. Thousand percent, thousand percent. And that's what I call purgatory. Like for me as a human being, that's purgatory because that is just like rumination, hell and self-suffrage because the dissonance for me almost killed me because like I, I didn't even know where to go because I was 
I was telling the world on a podcast and national media tours and my wife and my kids like, yeah, I want these things. This is who I am, but I never changed my behaviors. And so that was tough. That was really, really tough. And so, yeah, I 1000%. (laughs) It's important. Yeah. It's like, I was just thinking about that for a minute. When I was, uh, I was an accountant. I studied accounting and was an accountant for nine months. And um, I looked at what I wanted to have in the future, which was invest in real estate, own a business, all that. And my daily habits was go in, clock in, punch in, punch out, do numbers, which I knew. And now I can say for sure, I knew one day would just be automated. I knew AI or whatever would take my job. And I, I sat there one day and I'm like, I cannot in good conscience keep doing what I'm doing. I would rather try to to build the other path and live in a cardboard box, but know that I'm working towards that than keep doing the daily habits that are in, never going to take me there. Thousand percent. Sorry, thousand. I'm getting I'm getting super fired up. I'm getting passionate about this. We can uh, we can move on, but I love what I love it. No, you're. No, no, you're good, man. You're good. No, we're actually, I'm getting ready to land the plane anyways, because I was just like (laughs) reflecting in my brain and I'm like, we got the eight steps to sleep. We got clarity. We got BHAGs. We got focus. We got consistency, self-integrity, real talk. I'm like, no, no, we, we kind of hit the gamut already. I'm like, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm ready to put a bow on this one and we'll open up around two at some point. So, um, before I do any of this, though, um, I do want to give everybody because I'm going to add your book to my arsenal. So can you tell everybody what the name of your book is again and like where we can find it? Yeah, so it's Talk is Cheap, The Fight Against Mediocrity. Um, you can find it on Amazon. I released the Audible. Um, and so you can listen to it. The Kindle's 99 cents. If you want, you can go to talkischeapbook.com. And uh, get a couple of cool bonuses and I'll send it to you uh, for free. You just cover shipping. You can grab it there too. Um, But yeah. Awesome. So talkischeapbook.com for the book. Yep. And then where else can everybody find you? Where's the best place to connect with you? I'm most active on Instagram. And from there, I link to my podcast, my YouTube and everything there. But uh, my Instagram is Kevin Karchner. And I'm most active on Instagram. Okay, cool. I'll slide into your DMs in a second. I'm pulling it up right now because I'm a child oh. and I will forget. So I'm doing it while we're, we're sitting in front of each other. So now with all of that, so Kevin Karchner on Instagram, talkischeapbook.com. We'll go check that out. We'll make sure we put those in the show notes for you guys as well. So then Kevin, um, my final question to land the plane of today's episode is I, I kind of like to envision that everybody listening to the episode got men in blacked and their whole memory was erased, but they're all an active listener right now. And you have the ability to tattoo any wisdom you want on their soul that they'll take with them forever. What would your tattoo wisdom be? Ooh, that's a, that's a great question. I might steal that question on my podcast one of these times. Um, for some reason, this keeps coming to my mind, so I'm going to say it. If you don't quit, you will succeed. If you just keep going, you will succeed. Just keep going. I want, I 1,000% agree with you. And I believe that is the perfect reason it came up multiple times, my friend. That is that is the perfect bow for this episode. If you don't quit, you're guaranteed to succeed. 
So I appreciate it, man. I feel like I found like an old friend. So I had an absolute blast chatting today. Yeah, I agree too. I mean, it's, I've had, there's, that doesn't happen every time, but when it happens, you can feel it. And uh, I think we both felt it. And I think we just created a bond and a friendship. So super grateful for you. I love it, man. I love it. So like I said at the beginning of the episode, everybody, you just witnessed a first date. So apparently relationships <laughs> do beat algorithms to tie it all together because that's what I do. Ooh. So this has been another episode of the Mind of George show. So just remember, like I say all the time, don't let anything in this episode become shelf help. If you heard something, if you felt something, if you had clarity on something, do yourself the favor and have 10 minutes today to put it into practice so it can be a new behavior and be a new habit. Put it into practice, come back and get back to work. So we will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But go check out all of Kevin's stuff. Hit him up on Instagram at Kevin Karchner. Go to talkischeapbook.com. And then I'm sure he will respond if you slide into his DMs. So with that being said, it's time for the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.